Um, if you're here for the first time today, my name is Philip Brand, and I'm the pastor here, and I'm glad that you're with us. Um, as you knew from, or you realized maybe on Facebook or whatever, um, Seth, who's on staff, and, and his wife Heather are expecting a child, a uh, little baby Pernell. So that's that's awesome. And so uh, we're excited about that. It is in the water. The Hamiltons over here having a having a baby too, and they've announced a couple of weeks ago. So I think there's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's right. So um, if you haven't announced what you want to at this moment, if you could just stand and we'll recognize you um, for drinking the water at the church. Um, that is the secret, is the water here. Um, I'm not sure when Heather quit drinking the bottled water. She'd bring bottled water to church. But uh, I noticed Wednesday night after she announced it, she hung out at the three water fountains. I think it was symbolic, maybe. Maybe that, that's what she's doing. If I could have a little more light in here, I can't need to see the people. To see the people. Oh, there's your faces. They're awesome. All right, great. So this morning, um, the message is titled Mark That Sabbath, and it's actually the beginning of a series through Mark. However, you will not hear another message in the book of Mark, I don't think, until this fall. So Mark is kind of sprinkled all the way through even into next year, and it, it's not exactly in order. I'm not trying to go through the book that way. Actually, what happened was um, my daughter said, you know, nobody ever preaches through Mark. And I thought, yeah, well, okay, well, I'll check into it. And so I started doing my devotions in it. And so basically the order of these sermons are the order that God spoke to my heart through the word, and then I just put them on the calendar. That's, that's how this particular one worked. So um, reading through Mark, you can say that God really didn't speak to me from January to September in Mark. So you could think about that, right, of last year, right? So, so they're sprinkled out through in that particular way. You're alone today, Scott. Do you, and and um, you didn't take a shower. There's nobody close to you. The guy on the back row is already losing his hair. <laughs> Just kidding. It's good to see y'all today. Yeah, good to see you. All right, so mark that Sabbath. So to start this, um, uh, there's, a, there's a historical story in the Bible about a guy named David. He wasn't king yet. He's going to be king later. And he was running from King Saul because Saul was trying to kill him. And so he's running, and he has some men with him. Now, he had some men with him. Some men. You know, that sort of don't mess with me type of guys, big guys. And so they were all hungry, and they went to the tabernacle, and they asked the priest there if they could have anything to eat. And he said, we don't have any food right now. I'm not really sure why they didn't have any food. Um, I don't know if there was a short, I don't know what was going on, but nonetheless, they didn't have any food. The only food they had was the bread that sat in the temple on the table of showbread, which was consecrated toward the Lord. I said that word right. Oh, yes. So, so that's the only food that they had. So in their conversation, the priest gave them that bread off that table. Now, if you know anything about the law, the law says that only the priest can eat that bread. But in a pinch, the priest made that decision to give that bread to David and his men because in a pinch, that particular law could be adjusted to meet the need of the moment, okay? In other words, there are some laws that are black and white that you can't change in a pinch. For instance, if you were to get mad at somebody this week, 
you can't change the law, thou shalt not murder. That's a moral law. Just in a pinch when you're angry, you just can't go out and you, you know, kill them. Well, you know, I was mad at them, so I decided to kill them. But when it comes to a, um, a law that isn't moral, it's just a practical law that they had, um, you could change that if it was in a pinch. And so David, so the priest gave him that because it was the right thing to do, and it was a good thing to do, to feed him and his men. So we need to hang on, hang on to that for, for, for a moment. Um, how many of you just already feel like you're just totally busy, just way busy, like you're weak? didn't stop. Just a few of you. How many of you really just didn't want to raise your hand because you're kind of that person, okay? That's most of, yeah, that's most of the people. I find that people are way too busy. Way too busy. I hear people talking just in general. I just can't stop. I just can't stop. I have to keep going. I have this to do. 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 I have to get this done. And so I'm going to take this moment to get this done. Maybe they had planned to rest on Saturday. Maybe they had planned to rest on Sunday. But there's just something that they just had to get done. And so they just continue to go and go and go and go and go and go. Some people can't stop because they're not organized with their time. Yeah, some people can't stop because they're not organized with their time, so they don't plan well. They, they don't plan to do this and this and this and this and then plan to, to take a break. They don't do that. You're just too busy. Some people are busy because of their job. Their, their job is just overwhelming, and it's, and it's overwork is what it is. Um, I, I recently had, a, had a, a friend of mine. He went from hourly to salary. You know what I'm saying? Because when you go to salary, they expect a lot more work for less pay. That's how they do that. So he didn't realize that. And I just patted him on the back and said, good luck. Good luck with that. Salary, good job. Good luck. You know, it's overwork. And you, you feel this expectation that you have to achieve certain things in order to keep that salary, in order to keep that job. It's job security. So you keep, you keep going. That's why people are often fatigued. That's why people are often stressed. That's why people, they just, they just feel overworked. Another reason people are overworked today is because of tech. Technology enables you never to leave your job. You don't have to leave it. I, I have a phone, I have an iPad, and, at any, and now I have, because of my wife, a watch that gives me text, gives me stuff, and I can actually work anywhere at any moment at any time yesterday i put my phone where i could hear it ring if my family needed to get me because they were all up there skiing and um i took my watch off and laid it in in my room and just kind of detached from all of that because you have to do something in order to quit working when you're at home you, you have to do something you have to do something so tech enables you to work everywhere and people check on things, they check on work, they check on this, they check on that, they check, they check, they check, and they never get a break from work. They never get a Sabbath. They never get rest. It's just overworked. Some of us, or, or we've been taught rather, that our work is actually our identity. For instance, in the past, 
um, your identity used to be your family. It used to be your children. It used to be your wife. It used to be your mom. It used to be your dad and all that kind of stuff. But there's been a shift in culture to where now your identity is your job. And it's what you want to be when you grow up. And it's, and it's all this stuff that you're trying to attach your identity to. And when you're trying to attach your identity to and you're trying to achieve that goal and you're going after it, you're going after it, you're going after it, instead of your identity being in something that is less stressful, family, you know, who your family is, your mom, your dad, your, who you marry and all that kind of stuff, you're going toward this and it's just a, a turmoil inside, man, I've got to achieve this. This is what I want to achieve. This is what I'm going after. There's nothing wrong with having a dream job. There's no, nothing wrong with having goals. When it becomes busy is when that's all you think about and you can't rest until you achieve that. Or you have the concept that once I achieve that dream job, I will then rest. That never happens. You achieve the, the dream job and then guess what you have to work? Oh, that, I just told you. Guess what you have to do? You have to work. Right? To keep the dream job. So you work and there's identity. And I think people... People today are very, they work, they work, they work, they work. It's job security, it's, it's salary, it's trying to try to provide. And so we are restless on the outside, but we're also restless on the inside. Inside. This is a picture, you can't really see it. This is a picture of rain inside a building. Because someone thought that was a good idea. Rain inside of the building. So this is this is actually in New York. So actually, if it rains outside of New York, you can walk into this building and not get in out of the weather. However, this is a great picture of how people are. They're so busy outside and so stressed outside, and they're also stressed on the inside. They're in, they're in this turmoil, and it has to do with their heart, and they're trying to achieve, and they're trying to, to go for it. A lot of us just do not get rest. We, we just don't stop to have rest. We do not get rest. Exodus chapter 34 verse 21 says this, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. I want you to notice a couple of things about this. First of all, you are supposed to work. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are supposed to work. God has designed us to work. Okay? There are some people that hardly ever work, okay? And they wonder why in the world they're struggling to get food on the table. They're wondering why their finances aren't the way that they are. They, they're just, they just never work. God never designed you to rest and to have entertainment and to go down that line. All the, he didn't design you to do that. In fact, he designed you and I to work six days a week. We, we work, and it's not just busy work. It's work to get us somewhere. It's work with purpose. We work, we focus, we do our responsibilities, and then we rest. So if you think in terms of like something that, that is supposed to be in the center of our lives, so to speak, according to this one, and, and six days of work revolves around a day of rest. So you have six days of work that continually revolves and continually goes and in the center of that is the day that you rest and you have to plan for that day to rest. God wants you to rest. It is healthy for you to rest. It is healthy for you to stop. It is healthy for you to take a Sabbath. Now this morning, in case you're wondering, I'm not going to get into whether or not Sabbath is Sunday or not. That's not beneficial for what this sermon is supposed to be about. But what I am going to tell you 
is that you need a day of rest. And if you're working every single day, and if you are going, 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 and you're never stopping, you are doing your body harm. It is not the way God designed you to be. And you need to take a moment to just stop and rest. Stop and rest. Stop and rest. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. So turn to your neighbor and say, maybe I can get some rest during the sermon. Turn to your neighbor to go ahead and say that. Maybe I can get some rest during the sermon. All right, so here we go. Here we go. Chapter 2, verse 21. Yeah, 21. Chapter 2, verse 21. This is this. Actually, 23. Apologize. On one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields as they made their way. His disciples began to pluck heads of grain. One Sabbath. Um, Sabbath was not really started uh, in Genesis 2. God did rest on that day, and that was the seventh day. But that word there in Hebrew is not Sabbath. Sabbath actually is a commandment from Exodus chapter 30, and that's the first time we hear the word Sabbath. There's a difference between the number seven in Hebrew, the seventh day, which is completion, and Sabbath, which means rest. So Sabbath is rest. So I'm not saying that God didn't, I'm just saying the first time we see that is, is there in Exodus chapter 30, the rest portion. So here on a day of rest, they are walking through grain fields, okay, Jesus and and his disciples, right? Um, and it says, uh, I have to find it again. On the Sabbath, he was going through grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The reason that they were plucking heads of grain was because they were hungry. So on the Sabbath, they're walking through these grain fields, and I don't, I've, has anybody ever ate grain out of a grain field? I've eaten corn. I know you rip that off and you shuck it and then you eat it. Actually, Uncooked corn isn't bad. I don't know if you like it or not, but it isn't. It isn't bad. I mean, it's pretty, pretty good. You might not like it. Maybe you like yours really boiled real well to where everything's gone out of it, and then you put butter on it. That's good too. So I'm not saying that. You know that that's really good too. But sometimes you know that just fresh ear of corn, like when you first get them off the stalk, and you just kind of juice goes into your mouth, and you hope nobody's around. You know, because it. Anyway, you don't want to know all that. So they're going out and they're eating this grain and there must be some type of work that you have to do to get to what you're going to eat. I don't know if you crush it and you get to the inside of it. There's different people that say different things. None of them know what they're talking about because none of them are farmers. And so you, you have to work in order to, order to get this grain and eat it. So the disciples are going through this grain field. Grain is probably up about this high. It's not over their head, probably up about this high. And they're squishing this grain. And the next verse is interesting to me and kind of comical to me. And it says this, And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? 
So they're in the middle of a grain field. I want you to know there's not many roads in this day and age. So they're going someplace, and they're in the middle of the grain field going through. And somewhere is a group of Pharisees. Now, in my mind, I, I'm not really sure where they are. I'm not really sure where they are. This is what I picture them doing. And then they stand up. That's what I picture them doing. And they're like looking for them to do something wrong. Is it sad? Let's see what they're doing. Ooh. Ooh. And they're looking to catch them at, at something. And so a guy named Star and a guy named Moeller. Say the Pharisees were saying to him, look what they're doing. What is not lawful on the Sabbath. Look at these guys. Look, what, what, look at what they're doing. They're eating. They're working. They're, they're feeding themselves. We got them. We've, we've got them. We've got them. And now that we've got them because of this, Jesus will lose all of his authority. Right? Have you ever felt like, let me just pause. Have you ever felt like, or do you have that person in your life that's just You know who that person is? There's just always, there's always waiting, right? There's always waiting to like, like counsel you. And you know who they are because there's a different feeling in the room, right? They're just waiting for you to walk wrong, spit in the wrong place, throw something out of your car window. I mean, whatever. Not that I do those things, but nonetheless, they're just waiting for you to do something. Oh, look at what he's listening to. Look at what movie they went to see. Look at that. Let me tell you, tell you something. If there's people that are doing that to you, number one, or if you're that person, okay? You need to get a better life and something else to do. You need something else to do. I'm going to tell you right now, if you look at me close enough, you're going to find something that's wrong. If I look at you close enough, I'm going to find something about you that's wrong, and I'll tell you why. It's a secret. You ready? We're all sinners. We have fallen and fallen way short of the glory of God. But I will tell you this. I'm equal with your glory. And when you find something wrong about someone else, my dad used to say it's like, pointing a finger, but you have three pointing back at you. He used to say, say four, and he said, you know the thumb is it a finger. And then he said, well, it's three, Philip. It's three. Right? It's three. If you ever feel like somebody's like, don't worry about those people anymore. They don't have a life. They don't have a life. And at some point, they're gaining some type of value from just looking, looking and trying to find something about you because they're either jealous or they're just, I don't know what they are. They're crazy. They need counseling. I don't know what they need. But, but just don't worry about them. You see, when people are looking at you like that, don't you get kind of unrestful in your soul? Don't you? Because they come around and you're like, oh my goodness, I have to be on my, I have to dot my eyes, cross my teeth, I have to have to do do right because I don't want them to catch me at anything so I don't have to hear about it. Don't you feel re kind of restless inside? Let the restlessness go. Don't worry about them. They're insignificant. 
you need to rest on the inside. Jesus didn't let it get to him. This isn't the first time that they'd been looking for something for him to do wrong. And he didn't allow inside his soul, right, to be like, oh, in turmoil and trying to do the right thing. He just went through life because he knew he was doing the right thing and he just kept on walking. And if you're supposed to be like Jesus and I'm supposed to be like Jesus, don't let those people worry you. Is this helping? They're not your friends. Just leave them behind and go for it. Pray for them. Watch what you pray for. Sometimes, you know. Just don't pray down judgment. Every now and then I have a tendency to want to pray down judgment on people that you like. I'm not the only one in the room, right? That does this, right? I don't know if you know this. Yeah, okay, great. Verse 25, Jesus speaks. He says, and he said to them, have you ever read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of uh, Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the, fair, of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So he's saying, it's okay to do a good thing, and it's okay that they're eating. This is okay. And then he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Why? Because God knew you needed a rest. God knew you needed a break. And part of that break is not fasting. The Pharisees that were accusing them of eating, 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 that's a good, that's like a good southern word, right? Eating, right? We're going to eat that day somewhere. And if they didn't prepare it, somebody else was going to prepare it. It was, it was crazy. This was just crazy. And Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for men. And I'm telling you, as believers, you need to take God up on this and rest a day. You need to rest a day. It, it is better for your life. It's better for your health. It's better for your mindset. It's better for your, better for your stress. There is a lot of peace in resting on a given day that you choose. You rest and you recharge. It's a day you set aside to remember. In Exodus chapter 20, they were supposed to not only rest, but remember when they were slaves in Egypt and God led them out of that slavery. Your day of rest is to go back and remember that there is a God that is in control and even your six days seem like they were out of control, that he is still in control. He has saved your soul. He is working in your life and you need to just take a moment of rest to remember him. It is very important. If you work all the time, you will go to an early grave. I know there's a lot of stuff said about eating and what you should eat and what you should not eat. And, and some people say you should just eat grass and some people say you should just eat meat and some people say you should, um, I don't know. It, I don't get into all of that so I can't authentically tell you about all the stuff that I'm supposed to, but I'm here to tell you that God's not concerned about really any of that necessarily. Eat in moderation, don't be a glutton, that's all he says about it. But what he does say is for your life in general, you need a day of rest to remember him and to just rest. Rest from your labor. 
and breathe in and breathe out and get in touch with God and his, his glory. So a day they rest. Then he says, so the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, Son of Man, we could get into for a little while. That's actually a, uh, a reference to Daniel chapter 7. Son of Man would be equal to the Ancient of Days, Daniel chapter 7. So he's basically telling them he's the Messiah in a secret sort of way, okay? But he's also saying that he is the Lord of rest. Jesus Christ is the Lord of rest. In other passages of Scripture, we find rest for our souls through the Lord Jesus Christ. We find rest in Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian, you're heading toward days of rest in eternity. You are going to rest. And once we pass into the next life, you know what is no longer going to be important? And everybody around you is eventually going to forget, except for those really close to you. What you did for your job, how many hours you spent, and how much you worked. They're, gonna, they're just not going to remember that. They're not. Take your day of rest. Rest and remember. So the text continues. Check this out. Again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. He had a disease in his hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. So the lawyers are watching. I visioned them on the front row, front and center. Not that y'all are but they're sitting on the front row, and they're just watching and waiting, and they know the guy with the withered hand is in the back. To see, the text says, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. So he looks at him and says, hey, hey, you with that, that deformity, you, you come on up here. And the guy came forward. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or harm to save life or to kill, but they were silent because they couldn't answer the question. And he looked around at them and in anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and he said to the men, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. So a couple of, couple of things, two things. On the Sabbath, it is perfectly okay to do good. It's okay to do good. Doing good is not the same as work, according to Scripture. If someone needs help, you help them. The Sabbath is the day where we rest, where we remember what God did for us, and we look around at someone besides ourselves, and we say, what do they need? How can I help them? It may be as simple as taking a meal to them and just encouraging them on that day. It might be someone that has a flat tire and you just stop and you help them out because you know them. I'd be careful if you didn't, but if you know them, you, you would help them. It is helping people out. It is doing good. On the Sabbath, you are, it's okay for you to do good. It is okay for you to serve other people. It is okay to do that. There is something very restful about helping someone else out. Have you ever noticed that? There's something very restful about it. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I do every Friday, because Friday is my day, okay? 
Friday is my day. It didn't start this way, so I don't want you to think that I'm all that in a bag of barbecue potato chips, which I'm, I'm really not. It started as I couldn't breathe in my room, and so I decided that I would just dust every every Saturday, and all that I would do is dust our room, our bedroom, so that I could sleep at night. I'm not saying that my wife is a bad housekeeper. I'm not saying that at all because I have to go home with her today. So please understand, I'm not at all saying that at all. She's absolutely wonderful. So I got to thinking about this thing and I thought, well, you know, she's really busy and I have this day. I'll just clean the room. So on Friday now, I clean our bedroom. I pick up stuff in the bedroom. I put stuff up. It's not a pigsty. It's not nothing like that. You don't know me if you think that. But but nonetheless, I, I pick up, I straighten up, I dust, and I vacuum. I actually use a gift I gave her to vacuum our room. It's a little round thing that just does it for you. It's amazing. You press this little button and it just for about an hour just goes around and it's the best sound in the world here. It's incredible. So, so I clean our room. Well, then after that, I got to think, well, you know, she, she's, she's working. And so I don't know that I can, I can mop the kitchen. I'm not as good as she is at it. And that is the honest truth. I am not as good at vacuuming. I just don't, I don't take the time to do it right. You, you have to go real slow. And I'm like, you know, I have to slow myself down. So vacuuming, sweeping, do the kitchen, do do our area, and then I try to get downstairs and, and clean that up as best as I can. I'm trying to do that because it's a good thing to do for her. She doesn't have to come home and do that at that point. The kitchen's already clean. The, the everywhere else is already clean, and I know all the guys in this room are saying, "Shut up, shut up," right? But there is something very restful about doing that, I have found, for me. I'm not doing it because it's something I like to do. I'm doing it for someone else so that she doesn't have to do it when she gets home. Because that's how we that's just how we run things. Call it what you want. That's how we run things. And so there's something about your Sabbath day and picking somebody to do that you love and doing something good for them. And it is okay and very restful for you to do good on the Sabbath. Why can I say that this morning? Because Jesus Christ said that. I want to know you notice the second thing. He said good or evil, and he said save or kill. Did you know that it's okay to save people on the Sabbath day? It's okay. This is great news for firefighters. Right? House is burning down. They don't have to say, well, this is my day of rest. I'm just going to stay home. Right? They can go and they can save that person. This is great news for doctors and nurses. Someone's having a heart attack. Well, we can't do it today. We have to do it tomorrow because today's the day of rest. No, you go ahead and you go ahead and do that thing. You, you save that life. Did you know that it's okay for you to sit down with your neighbor and talk to them about the gospel on the Sabbath day? And if they receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saved soul is you saved. It is okay to save things on the Sabbath. It's okay for you to go and rescue um, your loved one if they are on the side of the road and they need you. They're in a wreck. It's okay to do that because Jesus says it's okay to do good and it's okay to save on the Sabbath day. Now check this out. The priests 
are the people who are supposed to be doing good and saving people on the Sabbath day. Are you, are you, are you tracking with me? Check this out. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. And verse 6 says, The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him. In other words, the people that were supposed to be about saving and doing good on the Sabbath left that all behind and started to take counsel with the Herodians, who are the Romans, who know how to kill people and convict people and take life from people. And they started consulting with them. In other words, it's not okay to heal somebody on the Sabbath. We're going to get you for that. It's not okay to eat on the Sabbath. We're going to get you for that. But it's okay for us to spot in someone's death that we don't like on the Sabbath day. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Jesus tells you a few verses before. He says this, verse 5, And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. Their hardness of heart. We're going to close out with this, okay? few things. First, hardness of heart is when you no longer listen to Jesus, the Lord of rest. That's hardness of heart. You didn't expect to land here this morning, did you? When you read through this text, I didn't expect to land here either, but the text lands here. See, it's one thing to talk about the Sabbath and rest and stuff, and we should do that. It's a whole other thing to talk about the hardness of heart. And I think it at times we all struggle with this thing. And hardness of heart happens when you harden your heart against the things that Jesus is trying to tell you. What he's trying to teach you. What he's trying to tell you from his word. Hardness of heart is when you allow yourself to be consumed at beating someone you don't like. That's hardness of heart. You're against somebody so you let your heart be consumed. Have you ever woke up at night and just been spitting mad at somebody? Okay, thank you. Because I have two. The rest of these people are like, angels! Never woke up at night like, I can't believe they did that. I cannot wait. And then, you think about your previous conversation you had with them, and you start thinking of things that you could have said that would have been better. Man, if I'd have just said that then, man, I would have really got it. See what I'm saying? I'm concerned with you because you're alone. Hardness. Hardness of heart. And you allow your insights to never be at rest. In fact, you tell yourself you'll never be at rest until they get what's coming to them. You know what you've just done? You just became a Pharisee that looks through the little, you know? You just became a Pharisee that said, you can't do good on the Sabbath, but I can plot to kill you. That's what you've just become. When you do not rest on the inside. When your desire to get revenge makes you not listen. It makes you not listen. 
Because on the inside, you're just, So you don't listen to anything else but your own mind and your own body. Hardness of heart happens when you, turn, when you choose um, rest over work. Yeah, I said that right. And work over rest. Hardness of heart happens. Hardness of heart happens when we do not force ourselves to take a break. See, the more I've learned this in my life, if I work a lot, my attitude stinks. And do you know the first place that I see it? It's in my house. It's in my house. That's the that's the flag. That's the flag to say, hey, you I think you've worked too much. You need to rest. Because a true day of rest is when you stop, you remember what Christ has done for you, which settles a lot of stuff on the inside of you, to be honest with you. You realize how merciful he is to you, a lot of stuff comes to rest inside of you. You do good for someone else, that's always good because your eyes are no longer on yourself. You do good for them. And your focus becomes to save, not to kill. You have to have that day of rest or your heart will be hardened. It will be hardened. The day of rest actually spills over into every other day of your life. It does. So you start the week a little bit better than you would have if you'd worked the whole seven days. Monday really should be the best day of your week, aside from sleep should be the best day of your week. If you have taken the time to rest that very next day, it should be absolutely incredible because you're rejuvenated, you've heard from God, you're focused on something totally different, and you step into your week with a different perspective. Maybe the reason God has six days revolving around one of rest is for the purpose of us getting our focus back on Him. And what is really important? Maybe that, maybe that is it. So, the point, really, that Jesus is making as his final one is how is your heart? Is your heart hardened against God and the things of God? Or is it soft? Is your heart hardened against that person that you don't like? Or is it soft? Is your heart stressed and just just inundated with all the stuff that you're trying to get done? Or is it soft because it's at rest? God wants your heart to be at rest. Your inside and your outside. You have to take the choice to take a day and do that. You have to. But does God see that's right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stage you've given us, and we thank you for this lesson. And rest.